0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast, it needed a better one. Bear witness to the two man four check. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Mm. It is February twenty eighth. We are No 30th. it's not.
1: It's only the eighteenth.
0: February eighteenth, I'm sorry. <laughs> We are three weeks from the trade deadline, and already it has muddled my mind. Uh, I have to, I have to wonder what it's going to do the mind of the gentleman running the Columbus Blue Jackets, the gentleman running the Minnesota Wild, um, the gentleman running the Detroit Red Wings. Um, And we're going to be talking about uh, at least two or three of those teams. Uh, Okay, we're going to be talking about all of those teams in just a moment, along with uh, certain other things. Um, We're going to talk about the PWHL. We're going to talk about uh, the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers and a whole bunch of other stuff today, uh, including the trade deadline and some pieces. Uh, We're even going to talk about some – women's college hockey. Um, we've got our will here, won't he? Um, a number retirement, um, Finland, and a suspension. Where or where do we want to go on the board today? Oh, we have to
1: start with the meathead.
0: The meathead of the week award, um, who will have plenty of time and slightly less money. Uh, (laughs) to spend uh, with that time goes not very surprisingly to Morgan Riley
1: yes we discussed Morgan Riley was it last week and last week we both uh, well I know that my opinion was two to three games based on the fact that uh, he had no prior history and you know he's not really a, a guy that Goes out of his way to do meathead things, kind of like Tom Wilson, but this <laughs> or was or Matt Cook or Matt Cook. Oh goodness, another how you give him a coaching. Okay, we're getting way off topic. Um, Morgan Riley. Have a topic. <laughs> sometimes we try, but it, it's things like that that causes me to digress. And Morgan Riley. Meathead. I mean, I understand what Ridley Gregg did was uh, upsetting to the Toronto Maple Leafs. There probably was no need for him to slap it when he could have just directed the puck toward the net. I mean, there wasn't anybody near him. It was empty net situation. Yeah, but Morgan Riley needs to swallow his pride or or bile or whatever you think he should swallow. And now he's going to have time to do that because, oops, I was wrong. Three games. The the DOPS, the dopes, have chosen to give him a whopping five-game suspension for his cross-checking of Ridley Gregg. Well, whether it's cross-checking or whether he, he hit him in the – freaking head area and yeah no i'm sorry he had to he, he needed a little bit of uh time to pause and reflect on why he was being punished and the nhl made sure he had plenty of time to do that
0: i'm on one hand based on precedents we've seen this season i'm not surprised that it's five games Based on the fact that there is no consistency in the NHL, I'm also surprised that it's five games. <laughs> and like you, because he doesn't have any prior offenses, I, I I struggle to justify five games, particularly since, to the best of my knowledge, uh, Ridley Grigg did not miss any time. Um, he went down to the ice in dramatic fashion, yes. Um but that's not the same as missing games or missing a whole season or you know the end of a
1: career there's well, he uh, did miss he did miss the last 6 seconds of this game though
0: and, and that is a terrible terrible thing <laughs> the likes of which have probably never been seen in the NHL again um will never be seen in the NHL again yes
1: It it was just, it was a meathead play. And oh, like I, you're not going to get
0: me to argue that this was a sensible thing for Morgan Riley to do. It's not a. Had he only, like, if he had only just delivered a nice clean out hit, like body check, crush him through the body he'd have gotten one or two games at most and at absolute most and most likely been just given like a game misconduct uh, and a match penalty at the end of the game. Um, But. Well, I don't want headshots in the game and I think there are, there's almost, No justification on ice for them. Almost none. Um, I think that this is the sort of excessive reaction that makes – that just builds contempt
1: for the system. Well, that's the problem is that he – his retaliation was so over the top compared to what Riley – Riley Gregg didn't go in and take out the goaltender. Ridley Gregg didn't go in and, and, I don't know, he wasn't doing some kind of, I don't know, windmill doing the Michigan, you know, flaring it up and showing off. And Okay, yes, he took a slapper from between the hash marks and buried the puck in the net. 10 feet out, yes. Unnecessary, but didn't hurt anyone. The potential of what R- Morgan Riley did—oh, potentially career-ending. Yes,
0: I, I, as I said, you're not going to get me to argue that what uh, Morgan Riley did was stupid. It was stupid. Like there's there's not a there's not an argument to be made that it wasn't stupid, and that it didn't need supplementary discipline. Uh,
1: the the level of stupidity. On Ridley Gregg's part, and the level of stupidity on Morgan Riley's part are not on the same level, is what I'm trying to say.
0: That that's also correct. And Ridley Gregg, uh, yeah, Ridley Gregg, that guy, that guy. Yeah, he got, his, he got the immediate lesson that there that it's probably best not to provoke people. <laughs> um, and the wheels of justice spun very very slowly because it took two or three days before um before morgan riley was suspended and you know the immediacy of consequences is one of those things that psychologists discuss a lot in terms of how much and how quickly it changes behavior and three or four days eh, i'm not If this were a person who did this sort of thing
1: frequently, not going to change a thing. I mean, we always we always bring these type of things back home. If the captain of the Boston Bruins had done this to Ridley Gregg. Ten games. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even have to finish the statement. There we go. Minimum. And there would
0: be people calling for it to end his career despite the lack of lasting injury. And despite the fact that in game, if this happened five minutes into a game, it would be five game misconduct and see you later. Probably with some really pointed conversations from some of the offended team, uh, from some of the injured players' teammates. And most players in the league, if it happened 10 minutes into the game instead of with six seconds left, yeah, it, it, this suspension would not be as big if it happened in the middle of the game and there was time for the players to police themselves or to remind people that consequences spill over to not just yourself, but those around you.
1: Um and I anything longer would have gone But be- it's so apparently and I'm getting this from okay whose article is this very quickly uh, Steven Huino W-H-Y-N-O yep uh, now Are we giving Ridley Gregg – are we saying this is just an immature act because he's only 21 years old? I mean – For
0: Ridley Gregg –
1: Personally, I think it's just he needs to grow up. You're playing in the NHL. You really didn't need to do that. Again, like I said, level of stupidity. But according to this, there was an in-person – a quote-unquote in-person hearing because it was held virtually due to there being snow in New York. Yes. Uh allowed the league to suspend Riley for six or more games because the suspension is under that mark. The only appeal is to Gary Bettman. The NHL Players Association is appealing this, or as of Wednesday, they filed their appeal.
0: It's They're not going to get it. Re- if they get reduced by even a game, I will be literally flabbergasted. Literally flabbergasted. Batman doesn't reduce suspensions. I,
1: I, I have not seen the dopes video, but to quote the, the, the monotone guy who usually does these videos, <clears throat> this is not a hockey play. This is an intentional, forceful strike to an opponent's head using the stick as a weapon to exact retribution on an opponent well after a goal has been scored. End quote wow
0: I, they're not wrong like I I don't have an issue with there being a suspension here but if if and Dope's track record says that this is largely made up and kayfabe like if an individual's history or elapsed time since prior prior infractions is supposed to play a part in decision-making. I do believe that five games is at least one too many. Okay. I'm not saying that one or two games is right because it's not. I'm not saying that... (sighs) I, I, I just can't with dopes. I mean most uh, I'm, I'm willing to believe that a good chunk of our listeners are willing are old enough to remember uh, just say no to dope and yeah that that well
1: Morgan Riley is eligible to return February 22nd at Las Vegas. Oh, just in time to play like the top team in the West. there you go. Leaf Senator Austin Matthews said it is what it is. We've got to obviously just pick ourselves up and move forward and put our best foot forward. He speaks so well.
0: Uh possibly busy holding his pants up. At a lot.
1: Okay, so I just wanted to get I just wanted to get the meathead out of the way because it it was nice to see that. You know, there was some kind of follow through. I wasn't sure we were going to get any, to be honest with you. Um, Where shall we travel next? We started in Toronto, so we started over the border.
0: Um, Let's come south and address the let's talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We haven't talked a lot about them this season. Uh, mostly because we got sick of talking about them with their uh, off-season coaching choice.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they've also been the
1: definition of ungood. But they knew they were going to be – that's the thing. Okay. If we're going to the story, I think we're going to. Well, there's two stories, and I think they're entwined, but obviously
0: the big one is Kika Leinen.
1: Yes, and they knew, okay, they knew they weren't going to be good this year, but they picked this year and this time frame to <clears throat> part ways. I, I, I The phrase, oh, relieved of duties, that's what it is. He's been relieved. They don't use the term fired anymore. They're relieved of duties or they're pro- gets- promoted up and out of the position or something like that. <laughs> it-
0: Taking on different challenges to assist ownership. Yes. Yeah. Taking on the challenge of not ruining a team.
1: (laughs) Taking on the challenge of becoming a spectator. (laughs) Uh, There was
0: one of the retail organizations I worked for used to refer to it as being
1: promoted to customer. I've heard that one as well. Yes. And honestly, to to that game, he will is, buy a ticket.
0: <laughs> that is literally one of the best descriptions of getting rid of people that I've ever heard, and I will love it until the day that I die. So, John. but Kika Kikolainen, no longer yeah. general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets, after a very, very, very long time. Um, I, my immediate tweet upon seeing the story was the only surprise here is that it didn't happen three years ago.
1: Yes. Yeah. We've been talking about it for at least that long. And I keep asking how he, I, I ask you, I don't want to say on a weekly basis, because it's not weekly, but maybe on a monthly basis, how this guy still has a job, he managed to Whistle past the graveyard on more times than I can count.
0: The thing is, he... <sighs> he had some good years.
1: Yes. He did. I mean, um, he's had some good draft picks. He's had some good... He managed to... He managed to move on from Pierre-Luc Dubois without completely destroying the Blue Jackets.
0: And I mean, an 11 year run as general manager of the, of a, uh, of a hockey team is is a good long run. When you think about the fact that, you know, he got them into the playoffs first European general manager in the NHL. um, Is he going to get a fresh start? Is he going to get another opportunity? Almost um, well, certainly, he's only fifty-seven, um, and it's worth noting that <clears throat> uh, since or he's he's been involved with the Finnish national team. Um, uh, he was the assistant general manager for the twenty twenty-two Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. Um, one has to wonder if he's a still involved and b. If that created any friction with the team because uh, because of the uh, I mean you can't be involved in something as intense as the Olympics and not and still do something like an NHL general managers job
1: with the
0: sort of vigor both deserve
1: I will I will say that uh, for all the time I've and for all the times I've you know, jumped on him for uh, struggling. I mean, this is the man who longest longest general manager tenure in franchise history, 869 games. He finished with a winning record, 410, 362, and 97. They qualified for the Stanley Cup playoffs five times, four winningest seasons based on point percentage during his time. 2016, 17, 18, 19, 17, 18, and then 1920. I mean, the he's made moves that have bettered the team. It, it, he hasn't always been. That's why I'm a little surprised by this. I expected yes. I've been hounding that they they need to find new blood, but to do it in a year where they knew it wasn't going to be one of these seasons just smacks of a little. They took advantage of the situation.
0: Um, you know what? I, I don't blame them based on the fact that they've been in decline since COVID, like steady decline with no signs of improvement, and also no accumulation of assets. Like you look at the you look at the draft picks that Columbus has, and then you compare it to some place like. Ottawa or Arizona and they're just not even comparable. Um, Columbus basically has its own draft picks and that's that's it. Um, that that isn't good grounds for a rebuild. Um, they have Boston's first round pick this year no third round pick and they have Ottawa and Ottawa, Detroit and Tampa's fourth round picks uh, this year. No third round pick of their own, no fourth round pick of their own, no seventh round pick of their own. They have no additional or lost picks at all for last year at this point or for next year at this point, our 2025 draft and they're already minus their second and fourth round picks in 2026. Um, they they've got some work to do have they drafted well i mean they've got some good young talent there uh you look at their i mean you've got Mads, uh sergard and net um he's 23 years old they've got three three guys on their entry levels um or you know at 23 years of age or younger in goal they've got a couple of defensemen that we've talked about here and there Um, you've got some forward young forwards that we've talked about, uh, around the draft and heading into the draft. Um, not as much at forward. There's a lot of guys in their late twenties, uh, in there who are signed. Um, but you look at their roster, um, there's a whole lot of, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's the
1: senators I was looking at. Um, I was going to say they've got a lot of they're playing a lot of young in their forward positions as far as uh, Columbus is concerned. Columbus, Columbus right? Um, Columbus has got Columbus has got in in the forward position. They have their oldest forward is a former Bruin actually, Sean Corrali at thirty one. They've got three guys at age thirty: Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, and Justin Danforth. The rest of the guys are all in their 20s, and we're talking 20, 23,
0: 24, 23, 21, 19, 24. Looking at their young forwards, obviously, you have Adam Fantilli and Kent Johnson. Um, the boys, yep. And they're, they're. We're all hoping. Mm-hmm. As hockey fans, these are really good players, but nowhere among their experienced players is there anyone who you consider a game-breaker. I mean, I like Zach Wierenski when he's healthy as much as anyone in the league can, and I like John Johnny Goudreau as much as anyone in the league can, um, and Boone Jenner, um, and my appreciation for Sean Corrales is pretty high. But none of these guys is a is a Brad Marchand or a um, – going back a couple of years when uh, Dustin Brown was a – he was still never an offensive juggernaut, but you had to account for him on the ice because he was blocking shots. He was throwing hits. He was always involved. Um I can't look at this roster and say that, you know, this is one, two players away from the playoffs because they're not. I can't say that they are three or four moves away from the playoffs because I don't think they are. I mean, I can't think of a conceivable four player addition to this roster that I can say, yes, I would bet my livelihood as general manager would put this team into the playoffs two years in a row. Can't do it.
1: Um. They're paying a lot. Their defense core is actually more expensive than their forwards. They're paying 32 million plus to their seven defensemen. They're only paying 29 just. Just a hair under thirty mil to a dozen or so. for I mean, they've 14. got they got one, two, yeah. three. They got five. I mean, they've got five players on entry level. Justin Danforth that's, is playing like that's big league minimum. I mean, Emil Bemstrom uh, is making nine hundred. Yegor chinakov is at eight hundred thousand. I mean. This is a money wise. If they can, money not.
0: wise, they're they maybe got four four million in cap space. They can buy assets by using their cap space because deadline cap space. They're projected to have eighteen over eighteen and a half million. They can take on a bad contract or two for a year uh, or the rest of the season. If needed, if it's going to bring them a first, a second, um, a young player uh, as well, um, it's going to be interesting to see if John Davidson runs the team the rest of the year. It says or he's just purely going forward.
1: It says he's taking over. The article that I was reading says he's taking over as uh, John De. Da- yeah. President of Hockey Operations Alternate Governor John Davidson announced, uh, along with Team's Hockey Operations Management Team, will assume the GM duties, while the club goes through the process of hiring a replacement. So yes, David is going to have a hand in it, but it sounds to me like it's going to be GM by committee,
0: which, GM by committee, which is doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, everybody. Po- Hopefully for Columbus fans, it's only going to run the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, the first name that came to mind uh, was John
1: Chaka. The first thing that comes to mind for me every time is John Checa. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. What I do know is I want to see him running a team again because there's a man who knew how to maximize – Assets and, and he acquired all those draft. Unfortunately, he was relieved or left, uh, depending on who you ask. I, I prefer to choose that he left because he seems smart enough to do that get get yourself out of a bad situation before he could see the realization of his dream. But the man was leading that franchise in the right direction in my opinion. But I would love to know where he is. I would love to see him running an NHL franchise again. Um, As
0: far as I can tell, uh, he's running his restaurant group with his wife, but that's... um, I I don't know if there's any other involvement at the moment. Um, It would be... Again, I would like to see him. I think he's probably a really good option, um, and he's
1: still only thirty-four years old—thirty-four uh, years of age. Yeah, he was—he was a tad young when he was running the Arizona Coyotes. Most really... of the
0: players were older than him when he got to the Coyotes. I mean, he's barely older than Shane Doan's kid.
1: Shane Doan, old enough to be his dad, yes. <laughs> it, but barring you know a, a, an extremely surprise move, and he comes, is it back to the is it back to the GM carousel here? I mean, are we gonna, are we oh, gonna get another retread or?
0: I, I'm willing to bet it's a retread if if uh, if our boy Shaka can't be compelled to. Um, which hang up the apron and show up for.
1: So which one are we looking at? Is it going to be a, is it going to be Shero? No, wait, Shero's in New Jersey. Why did I, why did I bring his name up? Rutherford, the one who left Pittsburgh because he was unhappy with ownership, telling him he couldn't make moves that were going to better the team.
0: It, your guess is as good as mine, and That's I all these don't are, actually it? have a guess.
1: That's all these are our guesses. I mean, do you bring in, <laughs> do you bring in Mister <laughs> Mister No Movement Clause and, and let him run the team for a few years?
0: Are you talking about Peter Chiarelli,
1: <laughs> Mister No Movement? <laughs>
0: I mean, there's a couple of guys who have handed out no movement clauses, like after dinner
1: mints, but. Uh, no, not like him. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Uh, was it 80% was in agreement with you there? And by not 100%, it, I mean I'm not. Was it like 85 or 90% of the. When he left, like 80, 85% of the Bruins had no movement clauses. I'm pretty sure the bull gang had no movement clauses.
0: <laughs> um, there's Ron Hextall. Yeah, <coughs> where is he these days?
1: Um, Pittsburgh. Let he is he? No, he's gone from Pittsburgh. If I'm not mistaken, so I don't know what he's doing. He's a possibility. There are some on the carousel uh, Snow. out there. Who Garf? God Snow is an interesting one. He has has he done anything since running the Islanders? My knowledge. I mean there there are options out there. I don't know. I, again it was for I me think it was
0: see, it honestly is you'll see someone who's an assistant manager on a team that's won a cup recently um get the job if they're
1: Unfortunately just because the team won a cup doesn't mean that uh, the GM is is but I, is going to be able to turn that team around uh, yeah right now it starts at a board for me the surprise was that they actually did it now uh,
0: I think. I think the second half of what we want to discuss about them might actually have some bearing on it. Um, it probably shouldn't. But I think the fact that uh, next year, March 1st, the Columbus Blue Jackets will be playing outside against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, if, man- if ownership and or John Davidson are that impatient or that, um, shall we say sensitive to the team's uh, perception. Um, They might want a short-term improvement um, so that the team is going to be competitive with the Detroit Red Wings on its biggest stage
1: to date. Okay. So they're trying to give the new general manager A year to not even a year.
0: (laughs) I mean, if they have a new general GM in in the saddle by March 1st, I'll be shocked. Um, And even if they land, even if the new general manager pops up uh, out of the elevator and walks into the corner office while we're still recording. Unless it's someone already with the team. Um, in which case, why didn't Davidson just promote him or her? Right. Um, why, um, you've got you've got to review all of your assets, all of your contracts, uh, um, settle in with the coach, figure out you know what's real, look at your UFAs, and figure out are do any of these guys want to stay? Do we want to keep any of these guys? Um, look at your Look at your RFAs and then figure out your numbers for three years from now. Because while well, they only have one pending UFA this season, um, they have eight RFAs, over half of them with el- with arbitration eligibility, mm-hmm. which means you're going to have to make moves um, because there's <laughs> no way, no way, no way you're keeping. You're staying under the cap, even if it goes up four or five million next year. Um, when you have that many that many guys who are
1: going to need raises or get raises. So wait, you're, you're telling me that you're not going to be able to keep Alexander Tessier, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, uh Emil Bemstrom, and Yegor Chinnikov? The, the, there's no way you can manage to get all of them.
0: Um, you can throw Jake Bean into that number too, because no, you're just not. Um, particularly, it's this is not this is not going to be an easy task for uh, whoever the replacement for Yamo is. Um,
1: Unfortunately, yes, they're going to lose. Uh, well, yeah, they're going to lose. <laughs>
0: they're going to. They're almost certain to lose Jack Roslevic They're. I mean Kent Johnson is a little bit harder um, because he he's not gonna not, be well he's not gonna be eligible for an opera sheet um, based on games played but you could seriously have like five of your players offer sheeted.
1: Kent Johnson's he's, not Kent Johnson's not going anywhere he Adam finta uh, he's he's one of their core youth that they're hanging on to I, I don't see Kent Johnson going anywhere they'll find a way to hang on to him
0: yes but like if someone who has cap space and either a need or a grudge or simply wants to appear in the newspapers um, decides that they're going to throw out opera sheets just to make whoever the new general manager is uncomfortable um, okay Or make themselves more competitive uh, by driving up the price of
1: whoever. Um, Okay, but a name who is available but currently is not working in the NHL, so I don't know if they have to worry about opera sheets. Mark Bergevin is not out there throwing opera sheets around at Sebastian Ajo. Oh, wait, he did that.
0: Really think that Kirill Mar- Marchenko is actually going to get an opera sheet? Probably not.
1: Probably, yeah, probably not. I don't know as much about Marchenko. Like I said, there there are names on the list that I, I'm. The, slow down. Okay, the organization has a list ranked in order, and at the very top of it starts with Ken Johnson, probably Jake Bean. Uh, And then you got Tessier. Uh, My guess is Kirill Marchenko is probably like sixth on that list. Below Bemstrom and Yegor Chinikov. That would be my guess. I just, I, yes, it's going to be, this is going to be a tough road to to hoe for whoever the next GM is because you're going to have to play uh, fast and loose with, with the cap money you I mean, trying to he, figure out a way to hang on to it, and it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I think somebody like a is going to end up somewhere else.
0: Yeah. I mean, Cole Cylinder. if you like him or if you don't like him, he's a center. Those are a commodity. Yeah. Um, he's a left-shot guy, only 20 years old. Um, if you sign him for a three-year contract coming out of this one, that's – That's still a movable asset with term, with price control, that is going to be attractive. Is Cole Sillinger the solution for some other team? I don't know. Um, I think he's an interesting prospect. I wonder if
1: Bergevin would jump back into the GM seat. Oh, I think he would. (laughs) I mean, the last few years in Montreal, after all the time, after all the the, stuff we gave him earlier and then the last couple of years, he made some moves that were, I mean, he he brought in Anderson, he brought in brought, I mean, he brought in some players and did his best to actually improve that team. Uh, Yes, the Logan Mayu thing, okay. Was that the final nail in the coffin? Probably close to it. But wasn't the nail itself. It was probably the putty on top
0: of the nail. Um, But um, Merger is currently a senior advisor to the Los Angeles Kings general manager. So he's probably
1: available. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he I would be surprised if he didn't at least get a cursory phone call. And 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 a first round interview. Anyway, I mean, yeah, I think that he's a name that probably will be considered. Whether they keep go with him or not, yeah, that's another thing. But based on based on the way he was making moves at the end, and we were sitting there going, "Who is this guy?" And what'd you do with Mark Bergerman? I think he's got a, a as good a shot as anybody right now right now it's wide open i can't think of anybody in particular who really jumps ahead of the list jumps to the top of the list i should say no but i a, can't but either there's um, a lot I to think, work with and there's a lot of work to be done with this roster uh
0: you're correct um which uh, which story next
1: Well, let's see. We've gone north. We've come a little slow. What is going on with the Panthers? Uh, This is.
0: uh, The Panthers are reminding everyone that it is uh, time to hunt.
1: Well, yeah. What is this? Is this, am I reading this correctly? 11 wins in a row or
0: 11 wins in a row and you barely hear about it in the news, 11,
1: 11 road wins in a row. Sorry. It's not 11 in a row. It's 11 road wins in a row. It
0: doesn't matter. I mean, winning is not winning in the NHL is not easy unless you're playing the Bruins and you already have the lead. Um, Or they're just not showing up uh, because no one's doing the emotional labor. But. um, I don't know. Last the last night or last night's game was perhaps the most interesting or one of the most interesting because they were one of two games that finished nine to two. I don't remember the last time I saw two two games with nine goals scored by a single team on the same day in the NHL. Literally, like, mind-blown.
1: They also, with that road win, jumped into first place, and the Bruins for the first time in a long time are not in first place.
0: (sighs) Do the Bruins even deserve to be in first place?
1: We can all answer that. What did that head co- former head coach of the Patriots say? You are what your record says you are? So do they deserve to be in first place? Their record says they deserve to be in first place, so they were. Um, what this tells me, though, the fact that you've got 11 road wins in a row. In pl- when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs— you need to be good on the road. I don't uh, yes, you need to be good at home if you especially if you especially if you've got home ice advantage, you want to be good at home. Most teams are good at home playing in front of their own crowd. You need to be able to win on the road and this tells me not only are they capable of winning on the road, they're capable of winning handily on the road. We're talking teams that can possibly win seven-game series in five games. Yeah. Four games, as opposed to stretching it out to seven and hoping for that final home game. And, and not that, having,
0: not playing those two extra games, two or three rounds adds up. Like, had, had the Florida team that eliminated the Bruins uh, most recently been just a little tiny bit, more assertive and won that series in two games and won, they might've been, they might've played a little longer. They might've won a couple more games um, because that was a very hard hitting series. Um, I mean, the Bruins were amazing enough to do it in 2011, winning three, seven game series, but they also had that four game trouncing, trouncing of the, uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers that gave them a good chunk of rest after that Montreal series where at least Chara had the flu. Everyone was banged up. Um, it was the road piece of winning the Stanley Cup is something that's just not talked about enough.
1: I think, it, I honestly think it's overlooked. I mean, right now, the Florida Panthers looking at the standings our number one road team. They've got 20 wins, seven losses and two overtime losses. The next best team is Vancouver and they have 18 home 18 road wins, eight losses for overtime losses. So I mean we're talking about and so it's no surprise where they are in the standings, with the fact that they're able to win on the road. You look at a team like St. Louis Brews, they can win at home. They're 16, 10, and 1. You at their away record, they're 500. That's why they're in the second wildcard position in the West. It, winning on the road is so much more of a key than people really give it any kind of credence to and being able to put up 20 wins on the road. They've got the same number of games played as the Bruins. Bruins only have 15 road wins. They're 15-5 and 6 and it looks really impressive that they've only lost 5 games on the road. Well, technically they lost 11, but 6 of them are overtime losses. Correct. <laughs> right. This is something that needs to be that people are going to need to look at when you look at the final placement for teams in the Stanley cup playoffs and you go, wow, how did the Panthers get there? Well, uh, they were able to win when they weren't home. And that's, that's the key right there.
0: It's, um, the diving a little bit further into the history of this streak. Um, they are one road win away from, uh, matching a league record. Um, and, you know, we're talking about a league that's over 100 years old at this point with it's been 30 plus teams for 30 years. That's that's a whole lot of hockey history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's only fitting that this is a big part that this team whose roster should be pretty stable over the summer uh, or from now until next fall. Um, is going to be representing the league uh, in or in Finland next year. Okay, the core of their roster is going to be pretty. Um, they're going to Finland. Finland. Wow, road trip! Actually, they're just relocating. The NHL is finally expanding
1: <laughs> to. <Europe. laughs> well apparently even if you know if they do relocate to finland they've proven they can win on the road so having them travel back to the united states won't be a problem <laughs>
0: seriously it's part of the uh the uh, nhl 2024 global uh series uh it's going to be the florida panthers, dallas stars and tampere finland um It'll be the hometown for the for their captain uh, Sasha Barkov. Uh, it'll be November, um, and this is the first time since 2018 that they'll have played outside North America. Wow. Um, Barkov is. Actually, the AZ, sorry, Barkov is a partial owner of Tampere's Liga team, Tapara. Um, Both he and his father played for that team. Second visit for the NHL. um, Last time it was the Jackets and the Avs. These will be games 10 and 11 played in Finland. Um, I love seeing the hockey world stretch and the
1: NHL reach just grow is this an attempt to is this an attempt to look at at expansion outside of North America is and, and more importantly is having a team in Europe or teams in Europe even feasible
0: Uh, I'll say what I've always said on the topic and add one new thing okay if you're going to expand the NHL to Europe yeah and it's not easy it would be kind of ugly the labor law differences there are huge Um, and I can't imagine I don't even want to think about the differences in taxation and everything but you can't do anything other than add an entire division you you would have to add five or six teams all at once, which means a lot of talent dilution. Um, Like even if the NHL bought two or three Swedish hockey league teams and one or two KHL teams and brought them into the NHL um, or had their owners buy them or had their owners sever league several league relationships and bring them into the NHL. I don't know that you're going to have competitive teams. Like I don't know without a serious deck shuffling. Um, <clears throat> if you're going to see a cut, a team based in Tampere or based in um, Slovenia or based in London or based in Paris or Berlin, wherever the five teams or six teams would end up being playing for a Stanley Cup in the first ten years I you're you're just not going to see a Vegas uh, six year um, six years to a cup with a trip to the finals in the first or second year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then you get the logistics of playoff uh, gonna... games. I mean, you would literally have NHL playoff teams everywhere from Vancouver to Berlin, uh, Helsinki. You're talking 15, 16 time zones. I, I, I. And then when you actually get to the Stanley Cup or you get to what uh, the European division... Uh, team needing to face a North American team do you start just playing the playoffs in neutral sites and make your owners really upset
1: yeah I I, 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 don't I don't see it working and the other
0: thing is I don't see Gary Bettman even tempting it it's not a thing that he would
1: do okay I do want to say one more thing before we wrap up the Panthers talk, and that is the fact that <clears throat> back to the 11-game road winning streak. Yep. Not only are they winning, um, they're doing it in like an embarrassing, well, for their opponents, embarrassing fashion. They've outscored their opponents, <clears throat> Fifty-one to eighteen. Could you give me those
0: numbers again? I didn't. I don't think I heard you.
1: Fifty-one to eighteen. So while their opponents are averaging less than two goals a game, they are averaging uh, just slightly under five goals a game. That's broken. <laughs> Yeah. When you're winning four and a half to one and a half, you know, just for rounding purposes on the road, that's not good for your opponents when they're at home. The question is their next road game is against Carolina to tie the to tie the record at 12
0: Carolina is really really good at being a spoiler it, it seems to be something that's in their DNA if they can play spoiler it elevates their quality of play like 15%
1: they're not, only, they're not only good at being a spoiler, they're also pretty good at home. They're 17, 6, and 4. So, Carolina could be a. T- I'm not saying that Florida won't come in there and still win the game, but uh, this is, it's not like they're going into San Jose and playing or something. You know? They're not going somewhere where they're expected to. This is going to be a tough nut to crack for for the Florida Panthers.
0: Or Chicago, for that matter. I mean, Chicago is...
1: And that's just to tie the record. I mean, I don't know who they would need to, if they should get past Carolina. Then next game after that, the next road game, to actually break the record would be... So they got Carolina. Then they got three home games to close out the month. Oh, irony is rich. Go. Should they they get past Carolina and tie the record? Their next away game is Saturday, March 2nd, 3 p.m. Against the Detroit Red Wings. Take a guess who one of the teams is that holds the record at 12?
0: Um, St. Louis
1: Blues. No, but yeah, it would be those same Detroit Red Wings. <clears throat> Irony is rich.
0: <laughs> well, it will make for a fascinating story should it come to pass. <laughs> and, you know, if if Florida does it, I can't even be upset by it because they're fun to watch. Um, It's there's no it's no secret that I like Kachuk
1: and several of their uh, several of their players. Kind of hard not to like Matthew Kachuk. I mean, granted, I'm a Drew Doughty fan, but that just makes the rivalry that much more delicious when they do get together. Unfortunately, he's playing in the East now, so they don't get together as often as they used to. Yep.
0: I guess they're both going to have to go to the Stanley Cup final for us to see it. Uh, And wouldn't that be delightful?
1: But they also have, you know, some guy that we talked about named Sam Reinhart. you know, he's pretty good. Um, They got a guy that I really like in Carter Verhage. Uh, (laughs) Anton Lundell. You look at them on defense, they got, Still I would flag kicking around, Montour.
0: I uh, would take Forsling or Montour in a skinny minute. Uh, and I think Dmitry Kulikov uh, uh, is absolutely worth every dime of his salary.
1: Which is only $1 million.
0: I, I'm honestly surprised that he's signing for that
1: little. At 33 years old.
0: We're gonna to have to just go ahead and call that a show me contract.
1: Um, he's got 14 points in 51 games. He's a plus six, 32 pims. Uh, that's just basic stats. I don't know like how many hits, takeaways. You know, I I don't know what his uh, rounded What His up.
0: stats are yeah.
1: But he's, I mean. He's not. He's not an offensive. I'm pretty sure he's more of a defensive defenseman, and or.
0: But he can skate.
1: <coughs> yeah, so it, it, they're built for. They're built for winning. They're built for playoffs. They're, they've got. They've got a little bit of sandpaper in there. You got guys like OEL who've been there before. Uh, they've been there before as it as it stand. I mean, Brandon Montour can certainly bring it when he needs to. They got forwards who. Uh, it's a team built to, It's a team built for now. Hey, let's you know windows wide oh, Very open.
0: much for now. Is look at the number of UFA's uh, for, uh, for the team. It's pretty staggering. Yes. Nine UFA skaters, um, and then you add Anthony Stolarz uh, at, on uh, in goal.
1: As I said before, the backups—the backups from Philly that managed to get away and, and show what they can do—Stolarz is going to get himself a little bit of a raise. Uh, I don't know if he'll take over the number one job. They've still got two more years of, of Bobrovsky at ten million apiece. Ouch.
0: And Spencer Knight, who is out
1: on—he's—he's—is uh... uh, he like player assistance still?
0: I thought he was still on the player assistance program. Uh, I haven't looked for him in a couple of days. Um, But I suspect that he will get his
1: um, droppings
0: together and uh, get back to functional.
1: But Stolar's going to get a little bit of bump. He'll probably go up somewhere in the two, two and a half range. Yeah. Considering what he's been able to do. I mean, he's still going to be a backup wherever he goes, but whether they re-sign him here or not, he's he's been reliable for him, uh, j- right along with Alex Lyon, who is now you know number one up in Detroit. So it's oh, that would be again rich irony. You could put Stolars against Lyon, have the the two former. Philadelphia Flyers playing against each other. Oh, it, that's going to be tasty. I hope it's on TV. It's on TV. <laughs> All right, I've stretched this out. Where can we go next?
0: Let's talk about the Bruins' trade
1: assets. Trade assets? That implies that they have some.
0: Um, I think that you're probably. Uh, maybe a little more pessimistic than you need to be. Um, I think that looking at the list, there's, and this is coming from me, and I've talked about some of these guys a lot over the years, a very, very lot. Um, Mm -mm. And not been in favor of trading most of the, uh, trading at least one or two of them um, at this point I think there's only one non trade uh, untradable thing on this list uh, one untradable entry on this list um, and it's the 2025 draft pick this uh, this list is of course put out by uh, Dom tiano uh, Dom dot hockey um, on the 16th um going through the list real quick and he his tweet makes it clear he's not including the Marshans, the Pasternak's, and the McAvoy's. Um, Whether those are all three the same category or not is a different question. But um, running through them real quick, and then we'll jump into whichever you find most interesting. 2025 draft pick, uh, first round draft pick: Fabian Lysel, um, Mason Luray, Brandon Busey, um, Yogi Mirkulov, a goaltender. Theoretically, well, obviously, Swayman or, or Olmark, Jake DeBrusk, Matt Grizzlick, and then, of course, Derek Forbert. Um, hmm.
1: No, no.
0: The, the only one, as I said, the only one that I'm a hard no on, unless it's spectacular um, and still and doesn't break the farm system or what there is of the farm system is the first round pick. They need to start getting actual young blue chips.
1: Yes. Yes, they do. Uh, And I, and in this particular instance, I, I, you know, the Bruins are going to be very reluctant to trade the pick because you can't sustain your prospect pool by trading top 60 picks in consecutive years. Um, Yeah. And as we, as, as you noted earlier in the show, we're talking about a team that has <clears> – <throat> uh, or, or did we t- – no, it was before the show when I mentioned that, oh, wait, they don't have to show up until day two this year yeah. of the draft because they have nothing in the first three rounds. Next year, well, they have a first-rounder, yeah. They, in Boston can retain – the. it was some kind of conditional pick. For a trade or something, but they managed to hang on to it. I guess uh, they've got no second, a third, no fourth. You You've got to start picking up youth and getting them in the system, used and, to your system of play. It, this is
0: and that said. That said, as much as I like Mason LoRai. He's movable. Like the the there are two guys on the team I would not move right now, or and by not move I mean it has to be a ridiculously good deal for the Bruins, and it, it's going to shock people who the list is the or the two names on the list are but they are Brad Marchand, and Brandon Carlo, and everyone else. If it's a good deal, like a winnable hockey, a winning hockey deal, or a mm-hmm. just a straight-up hockey deal, yeah. I'm glad. Um Do I want to see Mason Leroy or Fabian Lysel traded? No. Do I want to see Matt Grizzlick traded? No. Um, do, am I higher on Matt Grislyk uh, across his career than most people in the area? Yeah. I think that if Sweeney plays his cards what right, there's there's a return that can be had for that uh, for him.
1: Okay. I want to add one name to your list cuz I agree, you, I don't think you can trade the captain.
0: No, like trading the captain is effectively publicly blaming him for the defects of the rest of the roster. And there's – I can't put even 1% of the blame on his shoulders this year.
1: And right now, the way Brendan Carlo is playing, I don't think you can trade him. Is Lindholm trade – I mean, his contract says he's not.
0: His contract says he's not?
1: I, I think
0: that he's the – I would if I could get him to trade it for to waive the no movement or no trade for a good right shot center, I would be going hard to do it. Not because he's been terrible, but because of the time that he has spent in Boston Bruins uniform. I think this is his least impressive year.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'd be forced. Uh, I'd be inclined, not forced. I'd be inclined to agree with that. I think the third name I want to add to that list, and you know me, I'm a huge Linus fan. I defend him compared to, but I think the one other name you can't. I don't think you can trade Swayman right now. Unfortunately, whether it's and most likely, I don't see it happening at the deadline. But I think that, I think that before they hit. The the draft, I think Olmark is going to get moved. I Even hate to at say the draft, it, yeah. At the draft, I hate to say it. I don't want it to happen. I mean, Kevin Week said it during the All Star during the All Star festivities. Best goalie tandem on the planet, and there are a couple of other good ones in the NHL. I'm not. really that. are. I'm not saying that th- this is the only tandem that's out there. I mean, there are a couple of other really good ones as well. But these two guys just have it. I don't want to see him move, but unfortunately, you can't pay Jeremy Swayman five plus. You can't play Linus Olmark five plus and keep both. It's just not. It the the, the finances the map, just the, don't map. work. Yeah. So and and if if you truly have wealth at the goaltender position in this franchise, and we think they do. I mean, then he becomes the odd man out. But Dom mentions that Bussy is available, or should be available, or could be a trade piece. Again, it. I don't, I don't know. think
0: you can trade two goaltenders between now and the deadline, or between now and the draft. Uh, but I think you can trade one.
1: Yes. Um, like, but I don't I think, think that. I don't think that one can be Jeremy Swayman. As much as I love Olmark, and again, you've heard me, I complain because I think that the Bruins faithful don't like him, and I don't understand why. But I think that Swayman's the one that you've got to find a way to hang on to. And you told me off. You told me uh, after last week's show, I think it was that he was, or the week before, maybe during the All Star break, that. He was. He wants to move back home or he misses his family, wants to play in front of his family. Possibility of him going to a West Coast team and we might not even get to re-sign him. I mean, he's still an RFA, so it's not like he's just going to be jetting off somewhere. We still hold the cards, even though he's arbitration eligible.
0: That said, I, I mean, the issue with, signing, with re-signing Swayman if he wants to be elsewhere is how much is he going to agitate for moves every off season and throw up your ability to build, uh, around him.
1: Assuming give,
0: again, assuming the
1: rumors are true. Does he give you that vibe that he, I mean,
0: I don't, I haven't been in the same room with Swayman, um, and I haven't seen the con- seen the question brought up, and been able to read him.
1: Um, I, but I, I think the only uh, evidence, I think, I think, I think the, the only, only evidence, evidence we got of that, evidence of that was last summer when they were trying to resign him, and ended up going to. Ended up, did they? Did he actually get arbitration? No, he signed, avoiding arbitration. But the fact that he, he was willing to take it to – I think that might be the only evidence we have as to how much he's willing to push and how much he's willing to be kind of uh, the stone in the shoe. To get yeah, they, the, did, the,
0: they did sign it just before the arbitration filing or sorry. after the arbitration filing, but before the arbitration date.
1: Yeah, Sweeney doesn't um, like to go to arbitration. He usually – I mean
0: – it. No one likes to go to arbitration. I know that. Um,
1: or I don't best think any it,
0: general manager likes to go to arbitration. And even as much as Brian Burke is uh, the most truculent of <laughs> general managers in the league, Burkey, uh, I don't, I don't think even he likes it. He wants, he wants to win, and he knows that it's whatever level of professionalism the player has. However much they may attempt detachment. Anytime there's a conflict, a disagreement, disconnect, miscommunication in the future, what whatever is communicated in that arbitration hearing is gonna roll through the back of people's heads. It mm-hmm. just has to. It's you know, you have an argument with your friend, your spouse, your significant other, and the last three arguments. 10 arguments, or whatever the worst argument you ever had was, it pops up. It's it's just the human thing that happens.
1: Um, Is Jake DeBrusque moved at the trade deadline? Which Jake DeBrusque?
0: Red Hut Jake DeBrusque? Or well, Red Huff- But not uh, offensively impacting Jake well, Red Well, Jake DeBrusk? No, if Jake, De- if Jake's next three, if Jake has seven points in his next five games, there's no way they're trading him, uh, at the deadline.
1: Right. But if Jake Dabrask has seven points in his next five games, he also becomes a very, uh, He becomes a very desired asset, a very attractive asset.
0: Unless someone's going to wildly overpay or you're getting that right shot, number one, number two center. I don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, if someone wants to give you three first round picks for Jake DeBrusque, I'll pack his house myself. Like Jake, I'll shake his hand. I'll wish him well. I'll buy a new jersey for him, uh, of his, when he lands on his new team. But if someone offers me three first-round picks for him as general manager, there is zero, zero rounds for not taking that and filing the paperwork while the other guy is still talking to you.
1: Okay, there is – well, first of all, if somebody offers you three first-round picks for Jake DeBrusque, uh, you – Better already have the ink on the paper and have it halfway through the fax machine before you finish the phone call <laughs> because you're not getting three first round picks for Jake the I no. would love to see it, and I realize people crazily overpay. Well, Don Sweeney crazily overpays at the deadline, but that is a massive overpayment, and I, I would love to see it. It's not going to happen. But, yes, if they could get, oh, wait, that see, that center's gone. That other center's gone. The rest of the centers that are available are meh or slightly better than meh. Because Lindholm is gone. Monaghan is gone. You're not getting. Is there who else would you even put that's currently available? Henrique is not on that level in. And. No, uh, Roslovic is making four million dollars, which is what you're similar to what you're paying to Brust now. So you're not getting any kind of deal on that. I, I, no, it, I don't see it happening. I, I think that this is going to be a year where he makes a couple of no name or gets a couple
0: you, of depth players and nope. says we were in on more.
1: Oh yeah, we were in on Lindholm, but we wanted them to sign. They wanted them to do what the Ducks did with Lindholm. Although I thought we offered him the extension after the trade, but he was he he agreed to sign it before the trade or something like that. I don't know how they wanted, but supposedly that's how they wanted the Lindholm deal to work. They wanted the extension done so that he was already locked up. They didn't want him saying okay, thanks, and then taking off like uh, Tyler Bertuzzi did. I mean Tyler Bertuzzi was going to go anyway because they weren't willing to spend the money because they needed to hang on to everybody else but I just uh, and just to match this article and I'm not trying to jump around but yeah a little bit of jumping around so I found this from Connor Ryan over at I want to say it's the Boston Globe yes
0: Oh, Connor. Connor says interesting things. Sometimes yes. they're good, interesting. Sometimes they're bad, interesting.
1: Well, Connor says that actually, apparently, we're all wrong, and center is not a a a, a a a position of need for the Bruins because he ranks the top four needs for the Bruins ahead of the deadline, and lo and behold, at number four is an impact center. What a difference a few months make. Uh, now. The Boston's current one two punch of Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka has been more than capable this season. That's now Connor knowing Ryan. that
0: he has followed in the footsteps of both uh, KPD and Shaughnessy in terms of sports coverage in this town. Well, there's,
1: Bob, but, there's also Bob Ryan. I mean, they, they've had some you know, decent. Right has to
0: ask is he writing this? Because he genuinely believes this. Uh Is he writing this um, because like certain people I didn't name, he was the sock puppet for the general manager? Um, Or is he writing this to draw clicks? Based on the evidence of my senses. It's probably the last one because otherwise this makes no bleeding sense.
1: Well, number 4 and the lowest on the list is the center position. Number yep. 3 is a middle six scorer on the wing. That I do
0: believe they need, but I would still put that I would actually put that as the second
1: need. Number 2 is a tone setter on the fourth line.
0: A tone setter. Is well, that a nice way of saying um I think that's actually a nice way of saying um, something that Ty Anderson brought up on Twitter the other night. um, And it's one of the reasons I love Ty. Um, Mm -hmm. He said that part of the issue or in response to someone saying that they need someone to bring some meanness and some thump to the game. He said that he said that, um, um, the problem is is that or part of the problem is that trent frederick has become uh too valuable a player to want to lose for five minutes and ty hit it like dead in the black it's legit that um now had other events not happened uh away from the arena as they had this year they might still have that element in the bottom six um Yes. Uh, I I think that maybe you need to look at the Providence Bruins and see who's the most surly. If they well, can skate at an NHL level, you bring them up for a little bit.
1: According to Connor Ryan, though, a tone center on the force line is not necessarily a brawler. But they need somebody... Uh, who can uh, complete the impactful checking line.
0: I'm fine with that. I mean, and again, as I said, no, go ahead. It doesn't need to be someone who's going to fight, but it needs to be someone like someone who would be a fit on, um, on the identity line for the, for the Islanders. Um, Um, someone who, Throws two or three hits a, a shift, um, see, whether, however many are actually counted. But, see, you we know, were... people plan for them to be on the ice, whether despite the fact that they're not going to score um, three hat tricks against you in your season series.
1: See, we've been spoiled, and Connor Ryan mentions this. Because it says, an impactful checking line unit has been a hallmark of successful Bruins teams over the past 15 years. Beyond the famous Merlot line, and I think that because of Sean and Greg. And Danny. <laughs> and I think that they've set the bar so high for a fourth line. They have, and I think that there's that, – that's like that – they talk about the, the – you know, the, there's that unattainable ideal. I think they're as close to it as you can get for a four
0: <laughs> – I mean. You're not, you're not wrong. Um, I think that I really actually like the work um, that we've seen from Boston's fourth line overall. Well, that's
1: um, what he talks about is, uh, you know, they've – Montgomery has tried seven different fourth-line trios. The longest one together has been Oscar Steen, Johnny Beecher, who I like, and Jacob Lauco. They've played a combined 75 minutes together.
0: Well, when you're talking about guys who are playing seven, game, seven minutes a night, that's still 10 games. Um, but Jacob Lauco, I think – is probably the one indispensable person on the current edition of the fourth line. And I say that as a guy who has stand uh, Steen for a number of years. Uh, Steen's work ethic is fantastic.
1: Well, actually, it's funny because Jack mentioned it during one of the games where he talked about Steen still plays like his hair is on fire. And all I keep thinking is how many times did I say back during development camp days that Anton Bleed and Oscar Steen played during development camp like their lives depended on like their hockey lives depended on it Yeah you know some of the guys just appeared to be skating through doing what needed to be done you know but Bleed and Steen always appeared to be going full bore, 100 110 percent effort and Steen and is controlled. still doing it.
0: Controlled effort is the key. Is the key part of it? They were not uh, Anthony Kamara-ing themselves on the rink. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, yes, they they aren't taking wild penalties. I mean, in 34 games, Oscar Steen only has four penalty minutes.
1: Wow, um, Lady Bing. Now, <laughs> I mean, Jesper Boqvist
0: has played 20 games and has already has more than that. Um, Lauko has 28, but he's had a couple of scraps. Um, he's also been occasionally, uh, irresponsible this stick, but, um, yeah. he's, he's definitely a little past year.
1: He's got some grit to him. Yeah. And then number one on the list is actually a physical third pairing blue liner.
0: You mean like Connor Cloton
1: I think we talked about him. last.
0: Did week, I say yeah. that loud? I'm sorry. I, I was supposed to wait for you to uh, jump I, in on that one.
1: I, I do believe we talked about him last week, uh, vaguely, if, if memory serves. Um, if the Bruins want to grind their way through the postseason, they need another steady no-frills option on their blue line, capable of eating up pucks, clearing bodies out of grade A ice, and logging taxing shifts on the PK. Sounds a little like Connor Clift. Okay, never mind. So, question
0: the question for uh, your writer friend, um, your your definite uh, drinking buddy.
1: Oh yeah, Connor Ryan. I I know him well. Mm.
0: Where is this fourth line uh, complete? uh, Complete a person to complete the fourth line. Where is this person to complete the? To complete the Bruins'
1: uh, bottom 60. And he has that answer for you. In the next paragraph where it says, be it a viable top four option. Okay, first of all, I'm pretty sure he said, um, wait, wait, wait for it. Physical third pairing blue liner. But in this paragraph it says, be it a viable top four option like Minnesota's Jacob Middleton, a puck magnet like Philadelphia's Nick Seeler. Who has a league-best 155 blocked shots, or a bruiser like Ilya Lubushkin, Boston needs another steady D-man further down its lineup. I'm listening. He didn't seem to mention like this Connor Clifton guy we talked about.
0: Um, that yeah, uh, I missed I, I missed that in his uh, in his int- in his written intonations. Um, but what about the fourth liner? What about the?
1: Well, the fourth line answer he had was um, mm, Nick Dowd. And he could also fill the 4C position. Um, yeah, that's uh, somebody by the name of Brandon Duhame from Minnesota has all the makings of a bottom six menace. Come the postseason, given his wheels and knack for hitting anything that moves when he hops over the boards. Apparently he has 470 hits in 183 career games, and I've never heard of him. Okay, I'm kidding.
0: I've, I've heard of him. Heard, I've heard just of the name.
1: Yeah.
0: I just don't... I don't... I'm Ooh. not sure I see as as a solution, is the
1: issue. Here's a name that I I don't know... well there's one person that wouldn't be happy or maybe two, I don't know. Um, Currently sidelined for at least a month due to back surgery, but wild power forward Pat Maroon is a proven winner, capable of doing damage both with his fists and on the score sheet. Is Jack Edwards going to be thrilled if they get Pat Maroon on the team?
0: (laughs) See, I think it would – I think Pat Maroon is more likely to be upset about it than than Pat Maroon uh,
1: – than I Jack think, Edwards. I mean, I, I, I don't recall – I'd be paraphrasing it all if I said if, – if I recounted the story. Did he not make some kind of um, assertion of that he was a heavy guy? Yeah. And –
0: okay so, Maroon has a 16 t- no trade list Uh huh. I am just going to go out on the world's narrowest, skinniest, shakiest limb ever and say that he would not take a trade to Boston you
1: don't think so? no okay the other name that he threw out was Jordan Greenway Former um, BU, former BU Terrier, former teammate of Charlie Coyle, in the system here. Yeah, um, I don't see. I don't know that. I don't know that Minnesota is going to move Jordan Greenway.
0: But like, Jordan Greenway as what? As a solution for what? Your third line scoring depth.
1: Oh, the fourth line grit and sandpaper. Man. I don't know that that's his style though, is it? His brother maybe. I mean, he's a big boy. He's six, five or something like that. I mean, he's not small. I don't know that he's like a grit and sandpaper kind of guy. I thought he was a little bit more than that. I could be wrong. Um, well,
0: Jordan Greenway yeah, uh, yeah, is in Buffalo at the moment.
1: Oh, I thought he was in Minnesota.
0: He well, he used to be in Minnesota, but um, uh, eighteen points and a thirty-one penalty minutes through forty-two games. Eh. I mean, that's
1: <sighs> plays both wings. I mean. Eh. I don't, I don't like,
0: dislike Jordan Greenway. I don't know that he's the solution that I would be looking for.
1: No, but again, as we talked about depth. Uh,
0: like as a third line, like answer. if you're talking about like that extra forward. Yeah, I could live with that. Uh, but like I seriously don't see him as. The Bruins need a different element than most of the current roster. You have Brad Marchand, you have Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick, who are doing a lot, a lot, a lot of the emotional lifting for the team. And then you have some passengers and you have, quite frankly, some luggage. Um, And I haven't seen that Greenway play in a couple of years or at least he's not stuck in my head. Um, Is he going to be so wildly excited about playing for Boston that he can come in and sustain emotional contributions as well as on ice contributions Uh, or, and and like offensive contributions, I guess I should say. Um, Because like my number one need is emotional engagement for the team and I like. I would love to get that white right shot top or number two center. Um, because I look at I look at this roster and there's a bunch of nice guys who don't cause problems, which isn't you know nice guys get knocked out the first round.
1: Is that what happened last year? That and injuries. I was going to say, the, the well, last, last year's was a confluence of events because you had Bergeron Hurt, didn't play. You had Omar Hurt, shouldn't have played. And you had Montgomery in his, I don't know, inex, in, inexperience. As far as playoff, you know, yeah. he went through the season alternating goaltenders, got to the playoffs, and then went, nope, Omar's the guy. Well, he hasn't done that all season long, so...
0: And he's not healthy. Everyone could see it. And that, like I hold it more against him for the not healthy and everyone could see it because you as, as coach should absolutely feel comfortable saying you don't look right right now. What's best for the team is the other guy in five days. When you're, when you're walking normally, we'll talk about you playing again, but next two nights go home Stretch what you need to stretch, rest what you need to rest, hydrate, and don't think about hockey. Yes, and
1: they you also know, they also could have benefited from regular season pasta showing up.
0: Um, well, it wasn't so much that Pasta's offense disappeared; it's that he forgot how to hold on to the bleeding puck between, without exaggeration, between him and and McAvoy. I want to say that they had six turnovers that turned into goals in less than 10 seconds. And when you're talking about 20 something million dollars in salary, arguably the best two players, the best player at each of those positions, right wing and defense that can't happen. It's, it's, it's not only not a recipe for success. It's pretty much a guarantee of failure which is what happened. Um, Let's talk about uh, the halfway point for the, uh, for the PWHL um, because talking about the Bruins defects again is making me crankier than I should be. Okay. Um, We're at the halfway mark uh, for most of the teams um, in, in terms of games played right around the 12-game uh, mark for a 24-game season. Um, looking at the stats at the PWHL.com, um, mm-hmm. the standings are pretty stark. Uh, there's a couple of teams who are basically lapping the field, uh, and there's a couple of teams who are doing not very well. Uh, I mean, Minnesota – has twenty one points with 11 games played and 13 remaining. Um, uh, Ottawa down at the bottom of the standings has 10 points in nine games with 15 games remaining. But when I looked at everything, one of the thing what stood out to me most is the imbalance in uh, road I, versus home games.
1: Am I looking at this properly? I don't know what you're looking at, so... Oh, uh, wait. Uh, okay, yeah. Why is... I'm looking at home and, like, Boston... Yeah, Boston and... Boston and... No, away games. And Boston and Ottawa have only played three away games?
0: Yes. It, that just seems very and strange. Six halfway have played through the season and for two teams to... Done half the traveling of the other teams. Yes, six teams, short six teams, a short six season or six team league makes it makes scheduling difficult, um, uh, particularly when half of your teams are, uh, when your teams are split down the middle in terms of which side of the border they're on. Um, but... We're, we're two plus months we're two months into the season and Ottawa and Boston have only left home three times um, versus New York has been has played set, uh, has played seven of their games um, on the road. Wow, wow. I realize we're not talking about the dense schedule that you see with the NHL for you know one or two months each. But in terms of that camaraderie, the teams always talk about building when they're on the road, the ability to simplify things because you're not worried about your hometown crowd. It just seems a little bit unfair to the teams. Um, And, you know, you look at the standings. Ottawa is at the bottom of the league. Boston is second from the bottom. And you have to wonder if that camaraderie gained in the, that time on the road is helping uh, some of the other teams.
1: Yeah. You played nine games, you only have 12 points. Their Their, 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 their points layout is a little different. You get like three points for a win. 2 points for an overtime win, 1 point for an overtime loss and no points for a regulation loss. And so they added an extra point to the NHL's format where you get 2 points for the win, 1 point for an overtime 1 point for an overtime loss and obviously 0. So now you instead of playing for that extra point, you're getting rewarded for winning a game in regulation by getting a third point.
0: Yes. Um, so, I don't know that from what I'm told, it doesn't make that much of a difference in the standings mathematically. Um, no, somebody actually the playoffs.
1: I forget where I saw it, whether it was on X or, or whatnot, but somebody actually did a, uh, an overlay of using their scoring using their point system and the NHL's point system and like only one team, I think it was Toronto, ends up being in a, in a fourth position instead of third or something like that. But I, I just, I'm looking at this and it's like, the only thing that, the only thing that really jumped out at me is that apparently it's not just a Boston Bruins thing, but it's a it's a Boston hockey uh, uh, thing to be good on the penalty kill. <laughs> that was the other
0: thing I noticed. Their penalty kill is ridiculous,
1: um, and they're second in the league, uh, to behind I want to say Toronto or Minnesota. So my like, yeah, need- Toronto's
0: at ninety four point four percent through eleven games mm-hmm. of hockey. That is bonkers. Uh, the Boston franchise, and
1: please give them please please give them nicknames soon. Um, I, I've, I, I've given 20. up saying it. Yes. Yeah, saying it. Uh, and on the uh, on the
0: flip side, the top two power uh, penalty kill or power plays, twenty six nine and twenty one four.
1: <laughs> Yowzers! That's uh, that's especially what's, when what's the top. especially when the other the other four teams haven't cracked double digits. Toronto has 8.8, Boston 8.7. I mean, Montreal can't score a power play goal apparently because they got 3.1%. Ouch. But this shorthanded goal I, I think I could get used to this shorthanded goals allows you to get your player back thing.
0: I love it. Like I <laughs> like if there's I, anything the NHL is going to copy from the PWHL, it should be that. And they should be absolutely shameless about copying
1: it. <laughs> shameless. I think it's. I. I think. It, and and they mention it. They mention it during the. You know. They're like, oh, and by the way, if if Boston can score on this short, you know, they get the they they get their player back. It's like, okay, yeah, I kind of want to see that. I. I mean, think about. If that was a rule in the NHL, how many times I mean we're talking about Marshand with thirty-five shorthanded career shorthanded goals. I mean
0: go back to go back to when PJ Axelson was playing, how much more would he have made in his career with team with the uh, team relying on him to pull them out of trouble?
1: Brian Ralston.
0: Right. Brian Ralston <laughs> even um even Billy
1: Guerin Oh my goodness. The how that would how that would change the approach when you're signing free agents or making trades for certain players to oh, have he's... short-handed goals. I mean, yeah, they're important now, but imagine if the the importance if they actually got a player out of the box, how that would affect salaries and and trade values and oh my goodness, yeah. They, I think that is something that the NHL needs to implement. I don't, you know, try it first, you know, run it during the preseason. But yeah, the NHL needs to consider this option. <laughs> I and the, the games are entertaining. I mean, first of all, I think that the, I think that Boston's backup, and she plays, she played for Minnesota Duluth. Uh, Emma Soderberg, I think she's actually taken the net from the perceived number one, Aaron Frankel, who played yep. here at Northeastern, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I want to say it was Northeastern. It's one of the four Beanpot teams, I'm pretty sure. But Emma Soderberg has been fabulous in net, and they got a. Th- there's a woman on that team, Lauren Gable. Oh my goodness, can she snipe? If only we could get another, a player like that. Uh Alina Muller, you want that number 1 center? There she is. Um, the the comp, the the competition and they are not afraid to hit. Oh. <laughs> they like the physical uh they actually had the 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 Boston franchise actually had the first suspension in the PWHL's history. Uh, it was a one-game suspension for a somewhat nasty hit. Um,
0: but that's that's like almost for almost five percent. Well, three percent of your season when it's one game in a twenty-four game season. That's that's still pretty serious. Um, yeah. And yes, you're you're a hundred percent right. Uh, Frankel was at uh, Northeastern, and her list of awards is goofy. Yes, um,
1: long for, and distinguished. I'm sure.
0: Well, she's played for the U.S. national team four years in a row, 2021, 22, 23. Um, IIHF World Women's World Championships, gold in 23, silver in 21 and 22. Um, Patty Kazmaier Award in 2021. uh, Hockey East Player of the Year and Goaltender of the Year in 2020, uh, 2021. Top 10 finalist for the Kazmaier in 2020. Um, competed in the rivalry series in the 1920 first win as a member of the senior women's national team on December 17th in Moncton, uh, New Brunswick Um, competed against Canada as part of the 2019 under 22 series in Lake Plast, New York and MVP of the WHEA championship. And during the WHEA all tournament team honors in her freshman season at Northeastern university. Yeah, she, she, she has what some people refer to as a winning pedigree.
1: And she's actually, her numbers have improved since the last time I've seen. Um, yeah, she's got a 192 goals against and a save percentage of 925. So maybe Emma Soderbergh didn't steal the net from her only for a short period of time.
0: Uh, one has to wonder if there's underlying causes, injuries, or whatever that might be impacting.
1: But Aaron is back on her because she, she struggled. She she seemed to struggle at the beginning of the season and then save percentage. And, and now she has, yeah, that first game, maybe that first game was just not, I don't know. But Emma Soderbergh, her save percentage has gone down. It, it's lower than I remember it, but it's down to 855. So w- things are back to normal. Okay. No more worries. Things are back to normal. Aaron Frankel, she is a fabulous goaltender. But Emma Soderbergh, in her own right, she's Swedish national team. And, and, I mean, the goaltending. Just watch it. If you're not watching PWHL, and I know that I'm still mad about how it came about, and I am still mad about that. But the talent and the entertainment factor is still there.
0: You're not alone. Uh, I'm irked. Um, and I I think that this not having team names thing is probably not the best thing for their growth. Um, but whatever. Um, we'll roll with it because the hockey is good.
1: The hockey is good.
0: And that, hockey fans. Now, uh, that, that, will he or won't he, real quick. Oh, we, will he or won't he? Yes. Um, we ran the poll. Um, Will he or won't he, Patrick Roy, draw the Islanders into the playoffs? Um, The poll says that I should look at the standings. And the standings say that as of right now, today, uh, at this very moment, the New York Islanders are not in a playoff position um, and our five points out of the second wild card. Um, the poll seems to indicate uh, that they will, however, uh, because it was one-third, uh, 33 and a third for, uh, of the votes went to no, and then
1: two-thirds of the people say yes. I think that it will help individual players I don't know that it's going to be enough to pull them into a playoff situation. I mean they are close. They they're but now they're 5 points out from they're 5 points out from Detroit in the second wild card position. I don't know. I I I think it's going. I think it's going to be good for individual players going forward to to have that one-on-one time, and, and as long as it doesn't turn into some kind of a uh, a bashing session, so to speak. I, I don't know how else to turn. You know, if it's done constructively and done to the players' benefit, yes. But is it going to help pull the whole team? I don't know that it's going to be enough this year. Give him. Give him the remainder of this year and let him and let him begin next year and see what he can do. Give him a full off season. Give him time to work, treatment, you know, training camp, whatnot. And then see what he can do with a full season under his belt. Uh, maybe. I don't know that he's going to make it this year. It, it, it'd be nice. It'd be a nice story, but I just don't know.
0: It would be a tough hill. Um, I. I mean, we've seen it. This year, or not to uh, just to prove that I was actually paying attention to you when you were talking. Oh, okay. um, you are what your record says you are, um, and you know his record with the uh, well, the record with for the Islanders is still a losing record. Um, uh, they're not. They're not going to jump five points all in one day or one week. They've only got one game in hand on the two teams immediately in front of them, uh, the Devils and the Wings. They do have three games in hand on the Lightning, um, who were just trounced last night by the the Panthers. Yeah, nine to two. I mean, the Islanders, it's not a losing record, but they're not in a great position. They're at 5-8-3. Um, in their last 10, they're basically even. They're 3-4-3. and three. You really can't – you can't uh, – what was it that uh, I think Brickley used to say? You can't tie your way into the postseason.
1: Um, this is true. It's <laughs> – like, like I said, this. I don't think they make it this year. But I think if you give Ruah a full, give Rua a full off season, full, you know, training camp, let him, you know, development camp, let him see what he's got for players, let him get to work, start at the beginning of the season, give him enough rope where he can do the job, and also give the players the off season to work on the
0: things that he says he needs them to do better. Yeah. Um, whether it's I mean, you've only got a couple of RFAs on that team. There's like four total, uh, UFAs rather. Cal uh, Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin at forward, and Mike Riley and Sebastian Ajo at defense. Uh, Not to put too fine a point on it, but none of those four is the difference between you making the playoffs and not. Um...
1: Neither yeah, they, they all have their moments, but they're all. Yeah. You're not. You're not counting on them to be the one that gets you there. Yes, Matt Martin had himself a decent run. And it was a couple of years ago. All of a sudden, Matt Martin turned into like a a goal scoring machine. He had like five, you know, multiple games in a row where he was scoring or whatever. And yeah, it was like, wow, Matt Martin. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Matt Martin, Clutterbuck has been more of a physical, more of a physical guy most of his career. Uh, yeah, you're not relying on any of them to drag you into the playoffs. So, Sebastian Aho, not that one, the other one. Sebastian Aho, the defenseman. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, full offseason, let him do his thing, and then see what you got. Because I think next year they will, there will be a little, there will be a, a, an improvement, and I think they do make the playoffs.
0: And uh, we will have a new will Here won't he uh, poll in the show's notes, um, but uh, we're not going to. Well, we haven't come up with it yet.
1: Nope. Anything else, Chris? We have covered it. We got a couple of things left. We got some leftovers for next week. This is good. I think we're good for this week.
0: Okay then, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for listening. Share with your friends, family, random coworkers, uh, people you meet on the street. Hack the uh, hack the overhead system at the airport if you're traveling. Uh, play it, uh, play it wherever you are, um, and we'll be back next week um, with more to talk about in hockey. Take care.